0: Today we're going to talk about the church in Smyrna. As you go through Revelation, again, there's seven letters to seven different churches. All of those are real churches back in that time period, but there's also great lessons we can apply to our life today. So as we're going through every single letter here, we're going to look at the good things the church did. If there was some bad things the church did, we're going to talk about all of that. And we're going to talk about how does that apply to our life today in the 21st century. And the reason that's important is because if you look through all seven letters of the, of the, of, in Revelation, basically you can sum it up as the church that God loves. God, God tells you in each letter things he really approves of, things he's happy with, things he blesses, and then things the church needs to not do. And I told you last week that and after each kind of church, basically there's a warning almost, almost after every church that if you don't repent of the things you're doing wrong then God will come and remove his lampstand from you. Basically meaning he's going he's to remove his hand from upon that church, and that church is going to lose its witness to the world because they refuse to repent of the things they're not doing correctly. And so for our lives today, He's also a great reminder, as the end times draw nearer and nearer, again, nobody knows the time of the day. It could be tomorrow. It could be 500 years. But obviously every day we live is closer to the end times. We need to make sure we're being the church that God loves. So we can look at these letters and see what kind of church do we need to be and what kind of church do we not need to be so today's lesson is the church in smyrna so this one was right down the road from us i'm just kidding <laughs> um obviously it's not in smyrna tennessee um but this was in asia minor as well again all these churches are in asia minor which asia minor back in the bible was now modern-day turkey um, so it is there are again it's a real place these are real churches Uh, I looked up some information, because as you'll see in this passage, there's not a lot of information about the church in Smyrna, except they go through persecution. So I did some outside research, some historical research, to kind of find out some more information about Smyrna, to find out more about why this church was persecuted, what was going on. So Smyrna is a large, important city on the western coast of Asia Minor. Um, so it's on the western coast it's probably a a city that involves trade, it's probably a very wealthy city, you know if you're on the coast back then they had boats and that was their main way of transportation Um, and so you're probably looking at a a city that brings in a lot of imports Um, and then also it said the city was famous for schools of medicine and schools of science Think about that. It was a school of medicine and a school of science. And uh, if you look back in the Bible, there, were, there was med- medical advances and things like that, even back then, because Luke in the Bible was a doctor. And so this particular city, as life went on, was famous for medical schools and schools of um, science. Uh, it was 35 miles north of Ephesus. So we talked about Ephesus last week, the church in Ephesus. This was 35 miles north, so it's really not that far away from where the church was last week. Uh, in addition to that, um, located, and I may be saying this wrong, but Izmir, Turkey. So again, they're all in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. This is located probably in the city of Izmir, uh, or the, or the part, of, part of the Turkey that's called Izmir. Uh, in the Bible, Smyrna is referred to as the suffering Church. So last week we talked about the Loveless Church in Ephesus. They were a church that had forgotten their first love. Today we're going to talk about the church in Smyrna. Um, Yes, as you go through Revelation, um, all these churches, if you look at modern day Turkey today, these churches don't really exist. Um, So we can probably conclude that these churches probably did not change their way or at least at least um, didn't fully commit. Oh, they're not still here today. What about the one um, that God Yeah, we'll go through that one in Philadelphia. But um, this is also, again, a parallel to the churches today. Because, like Victoria said, obviously churches move, churches change. Sometimes, in, sometimes churches change locations, people move, they migrate to another country, things like that. So, this is a parallel version as well. To the church today as we look about our churches in america even to say are we living like one of these seven churches because basically you go through the letters it sums up that jesus is basically saying you probably follow one of these categories uh every church in america and across the world probably falls into one of these seven categories although like you said aaron these particular churches are not actual churches today there's still churches out there today that into one of these categories. Because it's, it's a futuristic kind of book as well. So it's kind of a two-part there. Um, so I'm going to read off to you guys the verse. It's in uh, Revelation chapter 2 verses 8-11. So again, it's only three verses. It's very short. But this is what it says about the church in Smyrna. It says, And to the angel in the church in Smyrna write, These things say the first and the last who was dead and came to life. You might know who that is. So the person that's saying these things is titled the first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life. Jesus, perfect, yeah. So, again, as you go through Revelation, most of Revelation is about John's vision. But the first part of Revelation is Jesus' words to these churches. So Jesus is saying this. He's, He's revealing to John through a vision. Jesus is telling him, this is what I want you to tell these churches. This is what I want you to write. Um, so it says, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not. But right. are in a synagogue of Satan. Right. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. That's right. a key word, about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison <laughs> that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. This is not <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um It's kind of encouraging, but it's like, if you've been to church this morning, it's like, oh, my God, you're about to probably die. Um, so, uh, and then and then he finishes. Again, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear, with the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, says to the churches, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Whew. Okay, so the church in Smyrna, there's a lot to that passage, almost a short passage. What he's saying there, if you go through a historical uh, research and kind of figure out what is what, what kind of punishment are they going through, is if you catch there, Jesus tells them, do not fear the things that you're about to suffer. And there's a lot of people in your area that pretend to be Jews, but they aren't. So back then, the Roman government was still in power. You gotta listen real quick, okay? The Roman government was still in power. And the Roman government, if you went against the Roman government, you in a lot of time, you were a Jew. If you were a true Jewish person practicing Judaism back then, you would be thrown into prison. Okay? If you turned against Caesar and followed Judaism, you would be thrown into prison. Well back then the prisons were not very good places, they weren't very safe places, and in all reality, if you were thrown to prison and you were a Jew following Judaism, they would eventually probably kill you. So Jesus tells them, Do not fear any of those things that you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. You think about prison again, it's actually sometimes a literal prison, it could be interpreted that way. Because, again, they were thrown into prison because of their faith. That you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus tells them, be faithful unto death. That if you get thrown into prison, you may not come out of it. You likely are going to die. But be faithful unto death. And it's like, why? Why should I do that? Jesus said, because if you do... I'll give you the crown of life. And you will not, it's, you will not endure the second death. So there's a, a, there's a truth I want us to kind of focus in on tonight. That persecution is going to happen when you're a Christian. Why? Because the world is not following Jesus. We live in a sinful and broken world. Some places like Smyrna are going to experience harsher persecution. Because that area hated Christianity. Okay? And the Roman government apparently was very... Adamant about getting the Jews in that town. So that town faced harsher persecution than maybe the church of Ephesus did. But all of us will experience some kind of persecution because the world is a sinful place. But Jesus calls us to, when we go through that persecution, to remain faithful to Him, to keep our joy in Him, because our joy comes from Him, not from the world. To to keep that love we have inside of us is from the Holy Spirit. And through our faithfulness, even up until death, if that's what happens, we're going to shine a light into the world for him. Because think about this. If the Roman government were to take those people back then and put them into prison, and they knew they were about to die, but they were in prison and they were worshiping God, they were happy, they were joyful, they were still sharing the gospel, and they had this this spirit about them, this peace that doesn't come from the world, if they lived like that in prison, even up until death... The Roman general has to have to guess, like, okay, that person has something different about them. We might have been wrong, you know. That had to have resonated with the with the soldiers that were killing them. That had to have made an impact on their life. And um, if you look at it today, um, oh, actually, I'm sorry. One more thing, just to show you that this is true. Can you might know who Polycarp is. Polycarp, anybody? No. If you go to seminary, you would probably know that name. Polycarp was a um, famous theologian back in the day. Um, Basically, he was somebody that would like try to interpret scripture and things like that. And so Polycarp was pretty popular back in the day. Well, this is a true historical fact. Polycarp was in Smyrna in the city of persecuted Christians. And the way that Polycarp died was... In AD 155, he was thrown into prison because he's out there preaching the gospel. And not long days later, after he was in prison, they killed him. So it's kind of funny because this was written. Well, it's not funny, but it's kind of ironic because this was written way before Polycarp. This is, a, again, 155 AD. So this is 155 plus years after this was told. And yet, it came true exactly as Jesus said. Those Christians that lived in that time, they got to the point where they were going to prison for their faith and then killed later. But yet, what we tell from Polycarp is he was faithful all the way through. We don't care about him turning away from his faith or saying, okay, fine, I reject Jesus, don't kill me. For what we know from history, he stayed faithful the entire time through. And today, 2,000 years later approximately, People still teach about Polycarp in school. You know, his influence. I've never heard of Polycarp. Well, it's more like a, again, it's like theology. You study theology and stuff. you people mention his name. It's like a one of the founders and stuff. But um, and so, just like Jesus said, his legacy lived on thousands of years later, and more importantly, in eternity. And he's rewarded for that. So these things in Revelation, it's important that we take serious attention to them. Just like anything in the Bible, because it's not just, like I said, something that happened back then. It applies to us today. And if we do the things Jesus is calling us to do, even though that seems hard, even though it seems like, man, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I have that kind of faith. Trust in Christ. He will strengthen your faith. And through that, God's going to bless you immensely, whether it's here on earth or in the life beyond. So I want us to talk about this now. Persecution. How does this apply today in America? A lot of people will say that America is not persecuted. Okay, you look at like China, other countries. If you're a Christian in some of those countries, you can really face some serious consequences, okay? If you're open about your faith, you may be thrown into prison, you may get fined, you're do all kinds of things. Unfortunately, in other countries, the Christians are dealing with that. In America, if we go out on the streets and profess our faith, we're not going to get thrown in prison, we're get right. and, and we're probably not going to get fined or anything, okay? So we're not dealing with that kind of persecution. Again, we're not necessarily the Smyrna church. But even the church in Ephesus and other churches still dealt with persecution. In America, Christians do endure persecution every day, and it's getting worse. And so it's important for you guys to know the kind of persecution that we're facing and how to respond in the midst of that persecution. So I want you guys to listen to this here. I wrote down some examples of persecution, <clears throat> and I actually did some research as well, and I want to read you guys off, uh, this is, these are real-life examples, okay, people in America. One of them is Jack Phillips. <clears throat> he was a um, he was a baker. He was harassed for over a decade, bombarded with a quest to make the most profane cakes, and dragged in and out of court simply for trying to run his business as a Christian business. And um, so basically, this guy, Jack Phillips, you can look him up, the Supreme Court, things like that, that um, he was a baker, he would bake cakes, and people would come in there knowing that he was a Christian, he was, he was open about his faith, and they would ask him to make like perverted cakes, or they would ask him to put like LGBTQ on it, or whatever it was, because they knew he was a Christian, and so when he refused to do that, people got on to him for that and they tried to shut his business down because of that. That's good in America. I want you guys to also listen to this one. Um, Coach Joe Kennedy um, was fired, fired from his job for exercising his First Amendment's rights to pray to God in public. It took him almost seven years to fight to undo this unjust persecution, prevailing only when the Supreme Court ruled that a government entity sought to punish an individual for engaging in a brief, quiet, personal religious observance, doubly protected by the free exercise and free speech clauses of the First Amendment. The Constitution neither mandates nor tolerates that kind of discrimination. But he was fired, and it took him seven years for the Supreme Court to say, OK, that was unjust. Now, I have to believe that if somebody was fired for being gay today, or somebody was fired because of race or whatever else, Probably immediately they would turn that around. Mm-hmm. When it was a Christian, though, they dragged it out for seven years. And it's like, I don't know, and he was a Christian, he prayed, so, you know. That's the kind of persecution that we're starting to face now in America. Is doing the right thing is now looked at as wrong. Um, and another example that I, get, I want to kind of show you guys here is um, companies today. Like, Target, a company like Disney. Disney, yeah, for child LGBTQ um, swimwear. Yes, yes, so like Target's coming out with, like children, I can't say that now. LGBTQ, um, <laughs> they've added to it over the years. Um, swimwear, and Target now, and other companies too, they are actually making swimwear and other apparel for like young boys that want to be girls. They have like bikinis for like boys that want to be girls now. And they have like you know other things that help the other person look like the other gender than they really are. I'll get you in a second. Um, so that's happening pretty rapidly. In addition to that, Disney, the people that own Disney now, unfortunately, have gone down a very corrupt path. And a lot of times, they're making TV shows like for kids that are now incorporating like the concept of like having a dad and a dad or a mom and a mom. Um, and, it's, and it's becoming more and more rampant in Disney movies and stuff now. Um, in addition, the IRS has actually been called uh, recently targeting Christian nonprofit companies. Uh, that's our government association that we put a lot of trust into. Uh, for years, private Christian business owners have been dragged to court targeted for destruction by the LGBTQ plus community for not agreeing with what they support. Although they're not doing anything against that community because they don't support it openly, they're dragged to court, they're fined and things like that for that. So the reason I want to address this and i think this is kind of neat here i found this article it says legally we might call this discrimination but make no mistake it's also persecution um persecution against christians because of their faith in jesus christ as king and their refusal to compromise on the basic teachings of the bible and if you look back in the bible the definition of persecution is hostility and ill treatment Well, you can take this at least you can make the definition from the bible persecution Hostility and ill-treatment, especially because of race or political or religious beliefs. And I would say in America, there's a lot of hostility and ill-treatment right now because of the ways that we believe. Another big issue is abortion. You know, Christians that support life even at conception, they're hammered constantly by the world. for like, how could you believe that? It's a woman's choice. It's her body. It's her choice. Constantly hammered by that kind of thing. So America is getting worse and worse on that. And again, we're not at a Smyrna level where we're killed because we didn't believe that way. You know, we're fine majorly all the time, although sometimes it does happen, but it's it's getting worse. So the reason I encourage you guys today with this church in Smyrna is they went through far worse than what we're going through. So even if it gets a lot worse here in America, they remain faithful and God still used them and blessed them and used what they did for him to even impact people today. And God can do the same thing with us. Just because you go through persecution doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And it doesn't always lead to death either. That's that's the extreme level. And so when you go through persecution, there's a few things you need to understand that the Bible teaches us about persecution. And one is that we have to love our enemies. We have to pray for those that persecute us. And again, the church in Smyrna, you never heard about them Taking up arms and, you know, shooting all these people. Y'all you know, didn't have guns, you know, back then. But they, they didn't take they didn't take up weapons and try to kill the people that were persecuting them. They didn't go and attack them or burn down their houses or whatever. You didn't hear about any of that from Smyrna. Okay, they responded in love. And they responded in, in, in a way that was different than the world. And because of that, their influence still lives today. But, there's also a key thing there. They didn't back down from their beliefs. Even when their world was screaming at their face, saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, if you don't do this, you're going to die, they were serious about it. They didn't. They never back down from their beliefs. Yeah, yeah. So, so, listen, listen home. So, one thing I want you guys to think about as far as loving your enemies and praying for them, is do you actually spend time praying for leaders in our world today, praying for others that don't believe the same way we did. Because I think a lot of times we're like, well, God, please show them your show them who you are because there's there's a crazy people, God. But do we really pray with a sincere heart, we really want God to change them. No. Because we don't most times. And I'm guilty of that too. And so I think it's important that as all Christians, prayer is powerful. If we really started fighting on our knees first instead of through our mouth, we said, God, look, this, this country is broken. Our leaders are going a different direction than how you teach. God, show them your will. Put somebody in front of them today that just shows them your love and your and your grace. And God, just show them how important the Bible is, how, how important your word is. Just say a prayer each day when you wake up for our leaders. If we all start doing that as Christians, prayer is powerful. Prayer can change things. Uh, in addition to that, we also can't just if, if somebody comes to you and says, well, Aaron, no, you're going to do this instead, you don't just, you don't just back down and say, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll go commit that sin too. You know, somebody comes to you and says, you know, hey, Gracie, you know, you need to support this, 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 this. If you don't, you're a terrible person. And you know that's not right. That, that goes against God's word. You don't just submit to that. You still stand strong in your belief. Yes, you're, you do. You, you, you act like, act in a loving and peaceful way, just like the people in Smyrna did, but you also don't back down. And that's what a lot of christians today don't do when persecution comes their way in america we're like okay fine i'm sorry 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 shouldn't have said something my bad i was wrong and we just let it happen well that's not what god calls us to either he calls us to stand firm or because are we trying to please the world or are we trying to please god who do we care for more and if we try to please god when we try to please the world even if the world may persecute us through our faithfulness and obedience to Christ, others will begin to also see Christ. And our life for Jesus will shine in the world. And it says in the Bible, God will bless us not only on earth, but also in heaven. And those rewards will last for our eternity. So no matter how great and how popular you are here on earth, none of that will compare to the rewards that God will give you in eternity. And we don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet. But I know it's going to be 10 times better than what you can get here or even more. And so God's saying, you trust in me. Your life's going to be a hundred years or so. Eternity is forever. And the reward you're going to get for trusting me here on earth is going to last for much, much longer than just pleasing that people by not, by not saying something or just submitting to their authority because they told you to do something you didn't want to call a problem. Even though you knew it was unbiblical. Um, I want yep. you guys to leave lead you to this. <clears throat> um, we have to also, as a church... Unite on biblical truths and teach God's word. This is what I was talking about earlier this morning. The world today, one way to persecute you is by saying, well, the Bible is not; didn't really mean that. Or the Bible's wrong, you should believe this and because this new scientific theory came out. Think about the church in Smyrna. They were famous for what? Science. And so they had all this... Modern technology, medicine, science, things like that. And they're probably saying, oh, Jesus didn't perform miracles. Look, he can be done like this, this, this. But when those kind of things happen, if you don't know what the Bible truly says, if you don't really have God's word in your heart, you can be easily swayed by the world. And that's why it's important, like I said, instead of just going to church or going to school and listening to the Bible and other things and just take what everybody says to you as full truth, Go home and do your own research. Go home and read your Bible yourself. Go home and, and look up, you know, what that what that means. What, what, what was the group like back in that time period? What is this passage truly saying to me? Because it's great to go to church. It's great to go to Sunday school. It's great to go to BBS. But if you don't do your own personal study into God's word, then it's not sitting in your heart like it should be. Because you are got to get a lot more out of it in your own personal time with God and you're going to grow deeper into his relationship. And then I'll say, when you're challenged by the world, you won't be easily swayed. You'll stand firm on God's truth. And if the whole Christian body would do that, we have the, we, we can unite together and begin to start changing things. Fight for laws that, that align with the Bible. Fight for, fight for people in the office that are going to stand up for God's word. You know, you have a voice today, whether you're in, in high school or whether you're out of high school. You have a voice. Use that voice for God. Whatever platform you have, whether it's at school, whether it's in sports clubs, whether, um, I, I, uh, whether it's like an activity, whatever you do, whatever God has, has entrusted you with, you have a platform. And you have a choice each and every day to use that platform, to use your voice, to share Him with others, to, to live a life that honors God and reflects Him. Or to live just how the regular world tells you to live. And what you choose can be the difference between somebody seeing Christ today or somebody continuing to follow the world. And I want you, I want to, I want to this is the last thing I'm going to close here. I know, last thing. Um, um, what you do for Christ matters. And the church in Smyrna, yes, we're not here today as the church in Smyrna, But again, their witness and influence helped start Christianity and promote Christianity back in that time period. And Christianity is more active today than it was back then by a long shot. And so what you do for Christ, even if you don't see the impact it makes right now, one day in heaven you may. And one day in heaven God may reveal to you and say, hey Aaron, because you stood up against these things, because... You, you went the extra mile and shared Christ with your friend because you cared about where they're going to spend eternity. Because you went the extra mile and you helped that person that nobody else wanted to help, look at what they ended up becoming. Look at, look at the kind of life that they ended up having and the people they witnessed to because of your influence to them. And so when you go through persecution, see that as an opportunity to shine Christ's light even wider in the world. And when you do, God's going to bless that. Let me pray that we'll get to all the discussion. We're going to have all kinds of questions Tom. I'll get to the discussion. Okay. Lord, thank you so much just for showing us in Smyrna, God, Those was persecution, it was really bad persecution, even up to death. But also knowing, God, that even though we go through the worst thing here on earth, people can harm our physical body, but they can't harm our spirit. And knowing, God, that no matter what we do, if we do it for you and your glory and your praise, and we say true to you, you're going to bless us because of that. And use us for a great witness for you. Help us be those great witnesses for you, God, and be fully surrendered to you. And then we pray. I'll be Well, I got Sarah.